Welcome to another episode from TFA Church. Here at TFA Church, we value people and we trust that this episode will be a blessing to you. Hey, go with me to uh, Exodus chapter number 20 this morning. And uh, we're going to begin a new series this morning uh, studying the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. And as we uh, turn to Exodus chapter 20, uh, you know, as we look at this series, Ten Commandments, the, the, uh, the title for the series is going to be Relationship. Relationship. And I'm actually going to borrow that title, not the, not the series, but the, I'm going to borrow that title from a pastor in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, Pastor Robert Morris. Who, he gave a, a study on the Ten Commandments about five years ago in his church. And so I want to credit him as well for this title, but in the principles each week that we'll look at were principles that he drew out in his series, but we're going to, we're going to study this on our own uh, from Exodus chapter 20. And uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm excited for this series on the Ten Commandments, but this is something that the Lord's been kind of stirring in me the last couple of years, and I haven't had a green light on uh, this series, but... It, in, in the process, I've kind of hesitated as well because, because really, uh, a couple of reasons. Because, and, and again, this is going to lay the, fa- the foundation and the groundwork for this uh, series. So you're going to have to, uh, a lot of this is going to be groundwork for the, for the remaining 10 weeks. But the first reason I had a hesitation is because, you know, we're going to spend 10 weeks in one small passage. And uh, if, if, you, if you miss one week, you, you may not be able to pick it up and, and but, but they, they are going to follow one another, one through ten. But if you miss a week, go back and, and listen. Uh, we're beginning a podcast uh, this month as well, or next month in February. So you'll be able to listen kind of as you go in the car and on your, uh, on your ear pods and your iPhones and that sort of thing. But um, we, uh, that, that's the first reason. But, but, but really the, the big reason why I hesitated uh, to, to begin this series is because really the word commandment. And how many know they are commandments? It's his way or the highway, right? It's he is the Lord. But I think when we hear the word commandment, uh, it can almost feel like a list of rules, a list of do's and don'ts. And, and so I want to set the, the, the groundwork and the foundation from the beginning that this is, this is, I don't believe, a list of rules or a list of do's and don'ts. This is out of a relationship with God, God had chosen the Israelites. He had called them out of bondage, out of Egypt, out of slavery, and, and, and called them by name. And now they're on this journey. And for 40 days, Moses has been up on the mountain with God. He, he's out of relationship saying, these are principles. They are commandments. But these are principles that will help you in relationship with me. So that's probably why I had a hesitation at, at first to to say, hey, these are Ten Commandments, but I want you to see the Bible calls them Ten Commandments. Interestingly enough, Exodus chapter 34, verse 28, it says, So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. We're going to go back to Exodus chapter 20 in a moment. But he was there 40 days and 40 nights, Moses. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So once here in Exodus and twice in Deuteronomy, God calls them the Ten Commandments. So, so 
although there are more than just Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, we understand that, but, but these are referred to and codified as the Ten Commandments. And so, first of all, we're going to talk this week about the principle of priority. The principle of priority. Watch this. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. God spoke all these words saying, watch this relationship here. He says, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. And the New Testament parallel passage for this is Romans chapter 6, verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. He's redeemed us from bondage. He's redeemed us from sin, from slavery of the, the sins of the flesh and the sins of the, of the arm of the flesh. He has, he has saved us from bondage, from these things. And so he says, I am the Lord your God. This is a principle of priority that we're going to look at this morning. I am the Lord your God. I love you. This is my plan for you. These are not my rules, but out of relationship, these are the things that I expect from you. You know, when you look at the list of Ten Commandments, we, we also have to think about Almost immediately, if you've been saved any amount of time, we, we could have thoughts this way when we look to the Old Testament for a series. We could say, hey, we're no longer under the law. Anyone ever heard things like that? Hey, we're no longer, no longer under the Old Testament law. Well, as it pertains to the, the Ten Commandments, we are no longer under an, an, an Old Testament codified law system, but Christ came to fulfill the law. So we are still, the, the moral law as it was given still applies today, the moral law. And we follow Christ, who is the fulfillment of all the law. And so we're following Jesus, but the, the moral law still applies today. If you don't, if you don't believe me, let's, let's state the Ten Commandments, which are given in the negative. Let's, let's state the co Ten Commandments in the positive or in reverse, okay? Just follow me for a minute, all right? Let's state the Ten Commandments in the in the positive or in reverse. In other words, when he says, you shall not uh, steal, it is okay to steal. How many think that's good in America? <clears throat> so watch this. Number one, where it says, worship the Lord only, I am the Lord your God, you know, it says, worship any and every God you want. Number two, Instead of it saying, do not make any graven image or worship any idol, it would say, make any gods or idols that you want. Number three, instead of it saying, uh, the, honor the, the Lord's name, do not take the name of the Lord in vain, there is nothing sacred, not even God's name. Number four, give God none of your time on the Sabbath. I mean, these, this is so applicable today. Number five, it is not necessary to honor your parents. It is okay, number six, it is okay to murder. Number seven, it is okay to commit adultery. Number 
Eight, it is okay to steal. Number nine, it is okay to lie. How many thinks it's okay to lie? No. Listen, this moral law, that the fulfillment in Christ, that we follow Jesus, these all still apply. That the fact that we, we know Jesus, number ten, it's okay to covet your neighbor's house, wife, P-roll, or anything else. No, it's, it's not. It's not okay to covet. So we understand that. That's kind of foundational, that, that we are still under the moral law, and Christ is the fulfillment of that. So we, not, we look not just to laws, we look to Christ, the fulfillment of that, and we follow Jesus Christ, and, and we follow Him with our whole life. And, and so I want to make a statement this morning that you and I are personally able to determine the level of our commitment to Him. We are personally responsible for our level of intimacy with God, our level of commitment with God. God gives these to the children of Israel, these these commandments. But watch what happens in verse 18 of Exodus chapter 20. Verse 18, after the Ten Commandments are given, this is what the Scripture says. It says in, in verse 18, it ends in 17, and then 18 reads, Now all the people witnessed the thunder, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And the, when the people saw it, they trembled, and they stood afar off. In other words, they didn't come up close. They stood afar off. They said to Moses, you speak with us. You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. Verse 20, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Now God had said put parameters around the mountain, and if anyone touches the mountain, they will surely die. But, but the, the choice that they made was... We don't want to hear God speak to us. Moses, you do that. You, you speak to us, and we can't draw near to God. We can't hear from God on our own. The people said, you hear from God for us. I would submit to you that's how many still treat God. In our model of doing church, in our model of Christianity, maybe in the States and around the world, we, we, we say, Pastor, you hear from God for us. Now, now, please don't misunderstand me. I have a responsibility. But many are, many are, many comfortable, perhaps comfortable to, to say, Pastor, you hear from God. Priest, you hear from God. You, this person hear from God for me. And, I, and I'll be okay with that. But, but our responsibility is to hear from God. What is God speaking to me as a man individually? And, and certainly in my office as pastor, what is the Lord speaking to our TFA church corporately, but each one of us are individually responsible for our level of relationship with God. And Moses says, hey, I, I want the presence of God. I want to follow God with my life. So let's look at it in verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Why is that first? Well, you know, there could be a number of reasons why that was the first one, but the children of Israel were now out of Egypt. Remember, he said, that I saved, saved you out of bondage. They'd been in Egypt for over 400 years, and Egypt, Egypt was known for their many gods. There were 50 main gods and over 2,000 small gods. 
And God is saying, you shall have no other gods, period. You shall have no other gods. I am the Lord your God. And we, we see this in the New Testament. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 14, verse 6, we see in sal- salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men whereby which we can be saved. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And so God is laying it out. These people had all of these gods. You were, you were led astray by all of these gods. And I just think it's a little maybe ironic that as Moses was up on the mountain, mountain receiving these words, you shall have no other gods before me. What were they doing? Making an idol. Making a god. Fashioning the, the, the golden calf. Or Exodus chapter 32. If you go read that, it's, they're, they're fashioning this idol. They're saying... Moses has been up on that mountain for so long. Moses, you hear from God for us. You hear from God for us, but you're taking so long. We'll just try to figure this out and put a golden calf together and and bow down and pay homage to this golden calf. It's amazing. God is saying, do not have any other gods. I am the Lord your God. And when you read it in some versions, it almost sounds like he's saying, You shall have no other gods before me, so that if, oh, okay, so if we put him first, we can put other gods after him. In English, it almost sounds like that. But that's, this word can be, you know, I'm I'm not an English teacher, but, you know, I'd get in trouble if I started trying to do that. But it's it's really a preposition that's used here in, in connection. Don't have any other gods but me. Your version may say, have no other gods beside me other than me because he is the only God so this principle the principle of first that he is first he is only he is foremost he is preeminent he's he's to be in first place he is to be the only one this principle runs through scripture and I want to bring out some of these verses here together this morning as we look to those Exodus chapter 13 we know that Exodus chapter 13, God is giving instructions to Moses, and he says, set aside, when you have cattle that are born into your flocks, set aside the what? The firstborn. Set aside the firstborn. In other words, if you have 10 cattle, don't give me the 10th one, don't give me the 8th one, maybe the the knucklehead that keeps getting loose that gets in your garden, don't don't give me those, give me the first one, the, the firstborn. I want the firstborn. He's first. He's first. Remember when the story of uh, Cain and Abel. We, we may struggle with the whole, why did God receive Cain's or, or, or Abel's sacrifice and, and not Cain's? Well, watch this. We, we may wonder why, why uh, Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's was, was accepted. Watch this in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. That's a good thing. He's bringing, a, bringing an offering to the Lord. However, watch this. Abel also brought of the firstborn, the firstborn of the flock. He brings the firstborn, and this was hundreds of years before the law was even given. He's given the firstborn of the flock and, and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. Cain was very angry and his countenance felt because of the, 
the principle of first. Remember the story in the Old Testament of 1 Kings chapter 17, and I know I'm giving a lot of scriptures, but if you're taking notes this morning, just write it down, or you can go to Version. The, the notes are all available on the Version Bible app. 1 Kings 17, Elijah, God speaks to Elijah. The, remember, the brook began to dry up. God was feeding Elijah down by the brook, and the ravens were bringing food, and God says, go to a widow, the widow of Zarephath, Zarephath, and this, woman, this widow will feed you. Elijah shows up at her house, and she's gathering sticks, right? She's gathering sticks. This is what she says, verse 12 of, of 1, Samuel 7, or 1 Kings 17. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. See, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, do not fear. Don't fear. Go and do as you said, but make me a small cake from it first. (laughs) That'd be pretty bold to meet this widow that doesn't have any food. And he says, okay. I understand you don't have any food. You're gathering sticks to make a fire to make you some bread so you can have your last meal, right? And he says, but before you make that piece of cake for your son, this is a mama now. She's not trying to make something for anyone else. She wants to feed her baby first. He said, but first, bake me something. God had sent him. And he's saying, bake it for me first. Bring it to me and afterwards make some for yourself and your son Verse 13, verse 14, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Pastor, what does all that say? What does all that mean? Put him first. He's first. We give him our first fruits. We give him our life, first of all. He, he, he owns it all. And then we give him our first fruit, which is first of our income. All right? He's first. Do not have any other gods before me, beside me, other than me. I am God alone. What is the great God of our country today? I know I'm kind of getting into next week's message as well in idols. But the God of mammon, money. Jesus uses this word mammon. He says in Matthew chapter 6 and a couple other places, he uses the word mammon. What is mammon? Mammon was the Assyrian God of riches. Mammon. And, And they were putting mammon, money, the God of riches before him and before God. And, and Jesus says, you can't have two. You, you can only have one. So when we're talking about first, that God is first, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these other things will be added to you. I'm going to refer to Matthew 6 as well in a couple of moments in a couple of places as well if you want to turn there in Matthew chapter 6 but how can we measure if he is truly the priority in our life now it's the application we we heard that he is God alone 
you will have no other gods before you, Israelites and Jews and church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will have no other gods before him. He is the only way. How do we know if he's first in our life? How do we know if he is the priority? Let me give you five steps, five easy ways, five simple ways. Using the word first, F-I-R-S-T. The first way, I've kind of covered some of it already, so we'll skim over this point. First of all is finances. Boy, we all get nervous in a church when the preacher starts talking about tithes and offerings and finances. And Listen, it, how can we truly measure if he's first in our life? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Seems like we ought to be able to take all the corn of the harvest and all of it together, and, you know, when it's coming out, wait until the end to give God that one-tenth of the, of the 100%, the 10% that He deserves. But the Lord says, honor me with the first fruits, the first fruits. Now, we're not trying to get legal, but, but we're, he, he is the first fruit. And if you, you know you're a member here at TFA Church, this is not something I preach on every Sunday. So, so this may be a couple of times this year that you, you, you hear a message on giving or a message on tithing. But listen, the first fruits is what comes from the top. It's not you, you, you wait to the end of the month and if we have enough, we'll, we'll give that to the Lord in an offering. It's why did the Lord say that? Why, did, why was, must we give him our first fruits? Well, it's a trust. It's trust. We don't wait until the end and say, okay, if we have enough, we'll give him our, the first fruit. No, it's, it's trust. It's, Lord, you're the Lord of my life, even over my finances. I heard, heard one pastor say, you may not be in God's book if, you, if he's not in your checkbook. But do people have checkbooks nowadays? I, I don't even know if they still balance the old way. But you know, I'm not going to try and get legal, but I'm, I'm just going to say, you know, are we, are we tithing? Are we giving of the Lord what is due Him? The first fruits. And encourage us and challenge us to, to, to please the Lord in this area and that He be first. There are, there are no other gods before Him, not the God of money, not the, not, not the God of fame, not the God of football, not the God of fishing, and not all those things that we, we kind of get in His way that he is the God first in our life of our finances. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Secondly, how do we know if he's first? First of all, over our finances. Secondly, over our interests. Our interests. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. Going back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Jesus is speaking, nor about your body, what you put on. Is life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value, of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to its stature? And how many of us 
given to worry. Yeah, we worry. I mean, have you seen the price of eggs? Come on, somebody. There's going to be like an underground racketing, racketeering, you know. It's a great thing to have a farm today. But we, we can worry about this one, about that one, about the economy, about the country, about the neighborhood, about the school, about this and that. And our interests, the things that, that, are, that interest us, the things that we're concerned about, we, is He the Lord? Is He the, the one we're serving? Is He the crowning uh, achievement in our heart, and the, the one who rules and reigns in our heart? Is He the one that, that is there? Or are we prone to just continue to keep worrying, keep being frustrated, keep being chasers of all the things that are worldly in our lives? Hobbies like, and I mentioned it again before, fishing, football, food can take up your life. I mean, it, those things can, can really control your life. And Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't lose your cool at a sporting event. Don't, don't lose your cool and get, get in the flesh and anger about the, the interest of this life. I am the Lord your God. There is no other God before me, besides me, other than me. Thirdly, relationships. Relationships. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. A righteous man is cautious in friendship. A righteous man is cautious in friendship. We may be serving ourselves. We may be worshiping at the, uh, at the uh, altar of how great thou art how great thou art, but not singing to the Lord, but actually looking in a mirror and saying, how great thou art. We have to be cautious in relationships and friendships. And Would we have a close friendship and a close relationship with someone that's not a believer? What do light and darkness have in common, Scripture says? And this is a, a, a lesson I had to learn early in, in, in uh, not in ministry, but just in life as I gave my heart to the Lord. When I completely surrendered to the Lord, I was 18 years old and and I uh, had played football and played high school basketball and, and, and had friends and, and uh, wanted to hang out. And, and, uh, and I felt like I just completely lost all my friends, which was a good thing for my faith. Because I had all these people that I could share Christ with. But over time, the decision had to be made, are we hanging out? Or am I going to spend time with God? Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to try to just be popular? And just have a bunch of friends. But in that social environment, my faith seemed to weaken. Because I had to grow spiritually. And so I had to make a break at some point and say, my relationship with God is the most important. That I will have no other gods before Him. And I will have nothing in my life that comes between He and I. And in my relationship with God, He will be number one. And I'm not letting anything come in between. And so relationships were big. We had to make a break, and I want to encourage you, if you have relationships in your life, I'm not saying we have to start being rude to people. I'm not saying you have to turn your back on anyone, but, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? And, and we're going to follow Jesus, and He's the, the greatest reason that we're alive. Fourthly, relationships, but this is a big one, I think, for the American church, so I'll spend a little bit of time on it, the word schedule. The word schedule. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, 
and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Where he prayed. You ever hear anyone say, hey, let's get together. All right, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds fun. Let me check my schedule. Let me check my schedule. It's like our schedule is like this big, hairy, audacious beast out there that we have to check with. Let me check my schedule. Now, you need to, husbands and wives, you need to talk about what you have going on. I understand that. But it's like we've made, the, it's like we've made an, a God out of our schedule. Are you that busy? Are we that busy? I know we have schedule. I know we have work. We have things we have to do. But let's calm down. And let's get together. And let's do things that matter for the kingdom of God's sake. Because a schedule, I'm finding, a lot of times just means I need to get home and my schedule. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, beside me, other than me. And we just want to check our schedule. And, and then, you know, and I've, I understand we all do live busy lives. I've tried not to use that word busy, but use the word effective. We all live effective lives. Sometimes that can be hard to measure how effective we are, right? But we, we live busy lives, and I get that, because money gives you options. And we live in America where we're, we're not on the same, you know, economically as, as everyone, but, but we have options. We have automobiles. We have houses. We have Internet. We have refrigerators with 12 different mustards, right? I mean, we, we just, we have options. But our schedule, let's make sure the Lord's in our schedule. I'm not trying to get legal. I'm saying, are we spending time with the Lord? Does he know that he's the Lord of our life? By the schedule we're keeping, by the time we're keeping with him, by our quiet time, by the time we're spending with Jesus and, and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm going to give you the first part of my day and my quiet time. I'll give you the end of my day. But during the time of this day, this 24-hour period, this time that I'm awake at least, I'm, I'm going to be sure that I'm fellowshipping with you and worshiping you and, and serving you. And, and I'm not saying, where are you, Lord? I'm, I'm finding you during the day. I'm not leaning up against or, or trying to fashion a, a golden calf in any way, I'm, I'm coming to your presence and saying, Lord, take over my life. Take over this, this individual being. Take over and be my future. Be my schedule. Be everything. Because I want you. I don't want anything else be, before you, beside you. So do you have a meeting with God regularly? Do you meet with God? Talk to God. Fellowship with God. Maybe be challenged in this series to think about our relationship. God put this first on the list for a reason, I believe. Don't chase after all those things that this world's chasing after. Love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. For the things of this world are, are you know, they, they keep us trapped and keep us tripped up in our relationship with Him. But the things of this world, let's, let's not be conformed, but let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we know what His will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's have a schedule. and Let's, meet, let's schedule a meeting with the Lord. Now, as soon as we say that, let's schedule a meeting with the Lord, you may, you may feel condemned and say, I tried that, Pastor, but, you know, I tried to pray for five minutes and I fell asleep. Right? Anybody ever done that? I'm going to put two hands up. How great thou art. 
You know, you try to pray and pray, and you try to keep a schedule with God, and you, you may fall asleep, you may, you may get weary, and you may have a hard time hearing from the Lord, and you may read a scripture that you don't quite understand at times. That the Lord will meet you on the path of relationship. If you don't see these in a, as a list of rules and do's and don'ts, but as a, a time where we can seek his face. Lastly, is he the God of your troubles? I don't know why it was these five words. It can, you, can, you can take first and, and make other words with them. But, but as I felt led this week in, in preparing this, is, is, is he the Lord of our troubles? Call upon me, Psalm chapter 50, verse, uh, verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Doesn't mean he's going to get you out of every one of your troubles, right? He, uh, he may not get you out of trouble, but he'll get the trouble out of you. <laughs> he, he will get the trouble out of you when you serve him and trust him and call upon him in the day of trouble. It's not like he's going to just pop you out of trouble and put you over here in peace, right? You will have peace when you are in trouble, when the storms hit and you begin to question and you begin to wonder why is this happening right now? You'll be able to have a calm assurance of knowing the Lord is still with you because he's the Lord of your life. You're not chasing after any other out there. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It's not Confucius. It's not all these other little gods that are out there. It's just the Lord. It's just the Lord. And if we trust him and serve him, he will help us in our troubles. You shall have no other gods, period. No other gods, period. I want to close with a story this morning that I uh, read this week and going through a really neat book. It's called The Irresistible Church by uh, Wayne Cordero, pastors of church over in Hawaii, suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. But he uh, pastors a great church in Hawaii, The Irresistible Church. But he writes a, a serious story, and uh, I want to close with this, that uh, because all of this is, is about us walking with Jesus and in relationship knowing him better. That's what this re relationship series is. A story is told of a talent show held in a small country church many years ago. Two performances were given, and he was, uh, several performances were given, but two performances stood out in people's minds. A visitor was from the city, and he had been uh, trained as a singer in, in Shakespearean tradition. He was a great baritone voice that could sing beautifully. And he got up, and he sang the Lord's Prayer, Psalm chapter 23. And it was a beautiful song, and it was crescendoed, and everyone stood and clapped for him as he was singing. And, and uh, the pastor, kind of spontaneously, this talent show, people weren't signed up. They just kind of spontaneously called people from the, from the crowd, and pastor said, Joseph, would you be next? And Joseph was, was a farmer from the community. And, and uh, true story, he, he, he says, oh, shucks, pastor, I don't, I don't know nothing. And sure you do, the pastor said. Come on up, Joseph. And others joined in the coaxing until sheer embarrassment. You know, I've been in one of these before at a church, and, and these, are, these were fun. And he was fidgeting, and he, he says, you know, I, the only the only." Psalm I ever learned was Psalm 23, so all I can do is say it, but I can't sing it like, you know, the man from the city just sang. And so 
This man begins to share. The farmer, he was in his early 60s and hard times had fallen on his life and little farm, but he remained godly and soft-spoken and he's someone who never complained. He began to swallow hard and he stammers and starts with his own paraphrase. The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that one thing, I figure I have everything I need. Detouring on a side route, he continued, you know my wife, my dear wife died six years ago. When my Helen passed, I didn't think I could go on without her. But God never left me, and he reminded me that I was going to do just fine. He said I'd be there. He said he'd be there for, for the kids and me, and he was. The farmer paused to remember which verse he was on, and then he continued, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still streams. He restores my soul. He leads me. Then the farmer paused as his thoughts were interrupted by yet another remembrance. Y'all know when the war broke out, my boys felt it was right to join up, and the day they left was the last day I saw them alive. I run the farm alone now, but the Lord goes before me and prepares my table. I'm never truly alone, not really. And when I don't think I have much left, my cup always overflows. He concluded the 23rd Psalm, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, and I look forward to dwelling in the house of the Lord, and I know that it will be my home too, and my wife's and my boy's forever. Without anyone noticing, a silence kind of filled the room, and Joseph sat down, and no one moved. But then slowly, the professional actor, the man who was familiar with Shakespeare, and the one who had sang the song previously, he got up, and he stood in front of the room, and he said, I may know the shepherd's psalm, I may know the shepherd's psalm, but this man, and he pointed at the farmer, he says he knows the shepherd, and that makes all the difference. This man knows the shepherd, that makes all the difference. Knowing about God and knowing him personally are galaxies apart. One might bring notoriety or even fame, but the other brings depth. Recognize the difference and choose well. That one decision will make all the difference.